So I literally just got back from Florida today. I was I, I got to marry. Um, if you guys know Lee, he, you know him as Peace Son. He's been he's he's done some music here before. Peace Son and his now wife Tika just got married last night. So I literally just got back today from marrying them down in Florida. It was an awesome wedding. They they wanted to share their love to you guys. They said thank you guys for loving on them and 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 they're 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 a part of this church as well. So hey, I'm, let's just jump into this word real quick. Is that cool? I decided, like, I would, I would shift gears a little bit because I really felt like the enemy was, was trying to press in on a lot of people in this church. So I decided to kind of shift gears, and I wanted to share six methods of the enemy's tactics, all right, or the enemy's schemes, right? And, and it's not like we want to study the enemy. It's not like, you know, I believe that if we study Jesus, Jesus, the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, we will recognize the enemy when he's at work. But I do believe that there are some schemes that the enemy has been doing all throughout Scripture that he does the same schemes in 2019 because he's really not that smart, right? He's really not that smart. So he does the same dumb things over and over and over. And when we can recognize that those things are not of God, it's just easier to kind of throw them to the side or, or do away with those things, right? Ephesians 6.11 says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes, right, of the devil, right? The word, the word wiles means this. In Greek, it means methodia, meaning strategy, schemes, or planned deceitful procedures. So there is someone, right, or there's a spirit, what we call the, the, the devil, right, or the, or the accuser of the brethren who is scheming against you. Why is he scheming against you? Because God the Father created you in his image with a purpose that's bigger than yourself. And the purpose is for the kingdom of God. And, and the enemy wants to stop or hinder God's purposes from prevailing in your life. So what does he start to do? He starts to scheme. He starts to put tactics in place, people in place, to try to get you away from the purpose of God. And so I want to share six methods of the enemy today. But before we jump into that, let's just go to, let's go to Lord in prayer real quick. Father God, I pray that your word is revealed to our hearts and our minds today, Father. And that your word moves forth and it does not return unto you void, but it accomplishes everything that you set it forth to accomplish, Father. Touch hearts and minds today, Father. Teach us something. Disciple us in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We all said, amen, amen, amen. So the first method is this. He loves to contradict God's word, right? He loves, listen, the enemy loves to contradict God's word. We read about it in, in Genesis chapter 3. We know the story of Adam and Eve, right? The enemy says this, you will not certainly die, the snake or the serpent said to the woman. Well, guess what God had just told Adam and Eve? If you eat of this tree, you will what? Die. You will die. And so here comes the enemy. You will not certainly die, says the serpent, right, or the enemy or the devil or the accuser of the brethren. So he always tries to contradict the word of God. And in 2019, we have a lot of ideals or ideas and philosophies and different theologies, right? We have humanism. We have people who, who you say, you know what, I'm a spiritual person. You ever heard that before? Like, hey, man, I, you know, I believe in Jesus. Well, I'm spiritual. I'm like, okay. Well, there's one spirit that will get you to the Father, 
and it's the spirit of the living God. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the Father. The Bible says no man comes to the through Son. So there's a lot of people out here. There's people that, that think there's no, there's no consequences to everything. I believe what I believe, and that's, that's my truth. You ever heard that before? That's my truth, my truth. So I can't be wrong. So there's no morals. There's no, there's no boundaries. Anything goes. And the enemy loves to, to, to tell people that they're right thinking these things because he loves to contradict the word of God. Why is he trying to contradict the word of God? So that we don't fulfill the purposes of God in our lives. He contradicts the word. The second method is this. He counterfeits God's word. He counterfeits the word. I'll never forget one time I was at the bank and I, I, I cashed a check. You ever been to the bank cashing a check? That's actually a good feeling, right? You get the cash in your hands, you're like, okay, right, I'm the man. I, I forget how much it was. But it wasn't even that much money. And I'll never forget, I went to, I don't know if it was Walmart or, or, or one of the big box stores, and I gave them a 20. I gave them, can y'all hear me now? That's the enemy right there, that microphone. Jesus. <laughs> and I gave them a 20. And they used that little marker on it, right? They put that little marker on it. And that, that, the thing was fake. They're like, they're like, oh, we're going to have to keep the 20. I'm like, what do you mean you keep the 20? You got to give me back another 20. Do something. They're like, no, this is actually not a real $20 bill. So you know what I did? I went back to the bank where I cashed the check from and got the money from. And guess what? They had already known there was a problem, that they had some counterfeit 20s. And the reason why they missed the counterfeit 20s is because most people don't check $20 bills. They only checked the hundreds, but people were counterfeiting the smaller bills, right? This was several years back, and, and they actually refunded me my money, the 20 or whatever it was, and I realized, like, man, there's actually people out here counterfeiting money still in 2019. I'm like, that's crazy, but that's what the enemy loves to do to God's word. In Genesis 3, 5, it says this, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be what? Like God, knowing good from evil. Now, they will not be God. But the enemy is saying, hey, you're going to just be like God. You're going to realize, you know what I mean, like the good and the bad. You're going to realize, you're going to see everything that God sees. No, that's a lie. That's a counterfeit mindset. That's a counterfeit way of thinking. See, the enemy is described as, he said, that there's, there's one like a roaring lion, right, who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But he's like the roaring lion. He is not the roaring lion. He is a counterfeit of the real lion, which is Jesus. He is trying to be like him. So what he, what he wants to do is he wants us to counterfeit our mindset. God knows, he said, God knows. He, he's trying to put words in God's mouth. And a lot of times he tries to speak to us. Right? With this false truth. Counterfeiting gospel. Counterfeiting Jesus. There's tons of false teachers who come in the name of the Lord in 2019. There are. There's a lot of people who come in the name of Jesus or in the name of God. Right? Or in the name of Christianity. Who are they gonna, they're, they're counterfeits. The Bible says that you will know a person by their what? By their fruits. So there, there is a reality as believers that we can look at another man and look at another woman and see if they have any fruit in their life. Right? 
Everybody's like, oh, you can't judge people. Oh, you can't judge. No, there is, there is such thing as judging people based on their character. There is such thing as judging people based on their fruit. You have to, you judge every single day. You judge today that that chair was going to hold you up before you sat in it. You believed in it. When you leave this room, when you leave this building, right, and you get out onto the highway or wherever you're going to go, and that light turns red, you make a judgment call in your mind that you're going to stop or you're going to go. And hopefully you judge correctly. Because if you don't judge correctly at the red light, your life is in danger. Because the red light is there for your safety. And see, God's word is there for our safety. He wants to protect us. So the enemy tries to counterfeit the word. Right? He, gives, he tries to give all these little commentaries on the side. Yeah? I have a, a study Bible. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those before. But it actually has these commentaries down below at the bottom. You can get on Blue Letter Bible or all these other websites. And they have these, these commentaries. Well, the commentaries are not the gospel. These are just men's, you know what I mean, like definitions and understanding and revelations. There, a lot of them are good. Some of them aren't good. But the enemy loves to be that little commentary dude and try to, when you read the scripture, he tries to give you these counterfeit understanding and mix up the words so that you could cause confusion. So why? So you don't fully live out the purpose that God has for your life. The third method is this. He tries to persuade or entice us to do certain things or to not do certain things. First Chronicles 21, Satan rose up against Israel, right, and incited David to take a census of Israel. He provokes us. He entices us. He throws the bait out. He throws the lure out, right? And he just, and he just dangles it in front of us so that we can go and take the bait. How many of you like fishing? Fishing. Anybody like fishing? I like fishing. I'm the only one? Okay. We go fishing one day. One thing I know about fishing, and probably everybody knows about fishing, you can't just throw, you know, the pole out there with a hook on it. You actually have to put something on the hook. Right? You have to put something that entices the fish to actually come over to the hook and bite it. Right? We call it bait. And it's something typically that the fish likes. And so the enemy entices us and lures us and persuades us a lot of times with something that looks good to our eyes. Right? Because last time I went fishing, I used a worm. Right? And I don't know what it is about worms. Thank God, you know, we're, we're nothing like fish. We don't want to bite no worm. But something about a worm in a fish's eyes that draws that fish all the way to the worm. But how many of y'all know if you don't tie the hook correctly or you put the weight on it a different way, that the fish will actually notice that there's something not right about the worm. There's something extra about the worm, right? That's just not a free worm. Like, that's just not, that's not natural. There's something about this worm that isn't right. And so the fish doesn't bite the hook. And then I get mad as a fisherman because I can't catch any fish. But see, the devil, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, wants to, cast that bait out right in front of you. And he wants to, wants to wiggle it around, wants to jiggle it around, wants to entice you and lure you in so that you can bite the bait. But guess what? When the fish bites the bait, I do, or what do you do? You actually start to reel that thing in. But before you reel it in, you do one thing. What do you do? You got to, what we call, set the hook. 
right? What is setting the hook? Well, the, the hook, if you've ever seen a hook, it actually has a barb on it at the end. And the barb at the end is so when you hook the fish in the mouth so it doesn't come back out. Once it's hooked, it's hooked. If you hook that fish in the mouth, that thing is going one direction, and that is that way, out of the water. And one thing, if you get a fish out of the water, the fish cannot breathe. That's a bad place for a fish to be. And then after the fish can't breathe, you throw them in a cooler. After the cooler, you get them home, and you, you, you take out what we call, you know, the, the, uh, the, the knives. It might be called something else, but the, the chef knife. And you start sharpening that knife, and then what do you do? You fillet that fish. And you fillet that thing up. You batter that thing up. You drop that thing in the deep fryer, and then you have a good old party, and we call it a fish fry, right? But that is bad news for the fish, it's bad news for the fish. The enemy loves to do the same thing to us. The enemy loves to lure something right right in front of us, get us to, to bite that thing, and then take us out of our, our, our comfort zone, take us out of our place that we can actually breathe and we feel like we're suffocating. And the enemy wants nothing more than just to fillet our whole life up and make us a mess. But God, right? See, temptation always seems harmless in the beginning. But when he, when he asked David to take the census, 70,000 people died in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. 70,000 people lost their lives because David was enticed by the devil. And the enemy doesn't just want to take you out. The enemy wants to take your family out, your friends out, the people who love you. He wants to take everybody in your sphere of influence, out. And a lot of times we let them because we bite the hook. The fourth method is this. He diverts our objectives. He diverts our objectives. Matthew 16. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him because he told, that, he told Peter that he was going to go to the cross. Peter took him aside and said, Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned, right, and he said to Peter, what did he say? He said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. He, he told his boy, he said, get behind me, Satan. Now listen to what he says. He says this, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, pick up their own cross, and follow me. Like there's a, I could, I could spend the whole rest of the day talking about this right here. But the reality is Peter did not have the big picture in mind. Peter was looking at it through human eyes. Peter, just like us, a lot of times what happens is our objective is one thing, then all of a sudden the enemy does something and he diverts our, our, our objective from the big picture down to the little human pictures. See, God knew what he was doing. Jesus was on a mission to the cross. And Peter tried to stop the big picture mission from happening because he didn't want his boy to die. Diversion from God brings everything back down to a human perspective. Right? And God is way bigger than our ways. God is way higher than our thoughts, the Word says. 
And when we have a human perspective, it's typically void of self-denial. See, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to pick up your own cross. you got to die to your own flesh. you got to die to yourself. See the big picture of what he's doing and follow after him. And I guarantee you, if you're following after Jesus, Jesus is on a mission for the Father. And you are going to be a part of that. But you can't let the enemy divert our objective. It's to make disciples that make disciples. The fifth one is this. His method is to build a bitterness base in our life. He loves doing that. A lot of us have been through hurt, right? Pain, rejection. Right? We, we've been through all of these things that life has to offer us. And what the enemy loves to do is build a base of bitterness that our lives can stand on. Just like this table right here. This is actually a nice, really good table, right? I like this table. One thing I know about tables is if the base isn't wide enough, the table falls over easier. Right? If you notice this table, it has a pole, but the base is actually almost just as wide as the top. And see, when, when our base of our lives are built on bitterness, right? It's built on bitterness. A lot of times, that base doesn't go that wide. That base is just barely holding us up. And if anything comes and taps us, what happens? What, what would happen to this table? It'll fall over. And that's what happens to us. Any little thing happens, and boom, we, 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 we get upset, or we get angry, or we fall over. I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians 2. It says this, Any, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are unaware of his, or we are not unaware of his schemes. Unforgiveness or non-forgiveness does not represent the Jesus that has forgiven us of many things. When we can't forgive somebody else because of whatever they've done to us, what happens is a seed is planted in our, in our hearts or in our minds that actually that seed will start to birth fruit. And one of the fruits of that seed is called bitterness. The other fruit of that seed is called resentment. Another fruit of that seed is called hurt and pain. And then we start to reflect or deflect certain things that God is trying to do in us because we don't want to get hurt again because we're bitter and we resent things that have already happened in our life. So we never fully open up to God the Father. We close ourselves off. We hide our pain. We hide our, our, our hurt. We hide the things that haven't really been treated yet nor healed. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble that will defile many. You know that bitterness is actually has a ripple effect, right? Any of y'all were young, used to throw rocks in the, in the, in the lake, or, you know, throw rocks in the ocean or throw rocks in the river or whatever, wherever. Get these flat rocks, right, and you, you skip them across the, uh, across the water. Well, I used to get a big rock. I used to just throw a big rock up and see how, you know, how high it could splash. But one thing I noticed about the splash of the rock, it actually causes a ripple. 
And one thing I learned in science class, that the ripple doesn't just affect the top of the water. The, the ripple actually goes all the way down to the bottom of the water as well as the top of the water. And so bitterness a lot of times doesn't just affect, you know, the things outwardly. A lot of times it has a ripple effect inwardly that we can't see. 2 Corinthians 10.4, we fight, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. But on contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I love this verse. And listen, this is a promise of God. Write this verse down. 2 Corinthians 10.4, you have to understand this, you have to know this, you have to believe this. Well, what is a stronghold? Stronghold, I, let, me, let, me, let me switch the word out and maybe it might make more sense to you. It's like a dungeon. They have divine power, right? The, our weapons, our weaponry has divine power for demolishing these dungeons that we stuck in. Or I could also say these prisons, right? The weapons that we fight with have power to demolish and destroy the prisons that we've been trapped in. The weapons we carry have power to tear down, demolish these fortresses that seem impossible to overcome in our life. Don't fall for the method of bitterness because you have a weapon in you and it's the Holy Spirit and it's the Word that tears down strongholds in the name of Jesus. The last method is this. He has this constant rebuking and constant persecution. It's his method. He's constantly speaking negative things to you and over you. And some of us hear them physically through other people. Some of us you know, just, just at night, we're bombarded with these thoughts of persecution. You're not good enough. Oh, God didn't forgive you of that. Oh, you're not that person no more. Just remember who you are. Remember what you've done. There is no forgiveness for that. You'll never be whole. You'll never give, get out of poverty. You'll never be healed. Your children will never grow up to be anything. You hear all of these negative thoughts constantly being rebuked by the enemy. 2 Corinthians 12 says this, Because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep them from being conceited, I will give them a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. The Canaanites were constantly had these thorns in their flesh. All throughout the scripture we see men and women who constantly were bombarded with different things. The enemy is trying to take them out all the time. When you walk through life, there's going to be things. There's going to be people. There's going to be pain. There's going to be persecution. But Jesus says this. He says, be of good cheer, for I have already overcome the world. And so we can walk 
in wholeness despite all of these things. We can walk in peace that surpasses all understanding despite all of these things. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life, right, you will be persecuted because Christ was persecuted before you. It's because of his name that we're going to be persecuted. See, listen, if we don't understand our position in Christ, if you don't are in the kingdom. If you don't understand your identity as a son and a daughter of the Most High King, you will constantly find yourself retreating and running the other direction. Constantly. But when you understand who you are, when you understand that you're a soldier of the Most High God, that you understand you're a princess and a queen in the kingdom, there's nothing the enemy might come after you. The enemy might speak things to you, but you know who you are. You start to speak back to him and call him a liar, a defeated foe in the name of Jesus. See, he, 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 tries, to, he tries to place these methods in your life. And a lot of us, we retreat and we get scared because these methods are just working. They've worked for generations. And it boils down to one thing, that we don't know who we are. Because if we really knew who we are, we would know that we are unstoppable. The Bible says this, that a three-chord strand is not quickly broken. I love that verse. It's a proverb. Chord of three strands. What does that mean? If I took a string right here, right, 200-something pounds, if we, if we held it from, or if we tied it up there, we, a string, and I, I, I jumped off and I tried to hold on to that string, that string would break. If we took two strings and twisted them up, that string would break. But if I braided, some of y'all ladies know how to braid, right? Some of y'all fellas probably braided some people's hair before, right? But, but if you braid three strands and we hung that braid from this roof, I guarantee you I could probably sit here and put all of my weight on that braid and it will not break. And see, when you're walking through life, and you're dealing with all types of drama, all types of stuff in life, you got to know that the Holy Spirit is with you, right? And Jesus is with you. And you also have a family right here, City Takers. You have a family crossover ATL that we are walking with you. Another scheme of the enemy is he wants you to feel like you are all alone. And that is a lie. You're not alone. You're actually never alone. He says he'll never leave you, never forsake you. He loves you. He loves me. And so when we understand who we are and whose we are, nothing is impossible. Now listen, the promise was never that it would be easy. The promise is this, that we would have victory in the name of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. The promise, he never promised that it would be easy. He only promised that we would have the victory. And so I want to go to the Lord in prayer right now. And there's many more methods and many more things, tactics of the enemy. But those are just some things that I've, I felt like are constant. All the time these things are happening. 
And when we, when we can recognize them, when we can recognize the counterfeit, when we can recognize the lie, when we can recognize that's not of God, you can stop spending the, the counterfeit money. I don't know about you, but I just want the real. Give me the real Jesus. Give me the real Holy Spirit. Give me the real Father. Give me a real church. Give me some real people who don't have it all figured out, but we're following the one that does. And his name is Jesus. I'm telling you, we'll turn the city upside down. Next week, this room right here is going to be a lot more people in the room. My challenge to us is I want us to love on people like they've never been loved. I was sitting at a table last night down in Destin, Florida at this wedding, and there, there, was, there was another woman who comes to this church there. And she was just like, thank you so much for doing the church. Thank you God, for guys for doing what you do. And she says this, and I've heard this over and over and over and over. She says, when I come to the church, I just feel like I could just be myself, and I feel like people really love me. I feel like I could just be me, I could be free to worship Jesus, and I just feel like it's okay to be me. And I was like, if we ever change that, something's off. And so next week, my challenge to you guys, first of all, invite as many people as you can invite, but I want us to love on people. I want people to walk in this room and just feel like, wow, like I've never experienced this type of love. I know you will. Because Jesus lives in you. And there's plenty of churches in the city that are doing great and amazing things. They have far more money than what we have. Have far more titles. Have far more, um, you know, degrees and all the, all the stuff that we earn. And those, those things are great things. I'm not knocking those things. But I believe that there's a revival coming to the city of Atlanta. I believe that God is going to turn the city upside down and that this city of Atlanta is going to be a beacon of light to the nation and the nations. Now, let me say this. I believe, and this isn't boasting of what I know, I just believe by faith that God is going to use us. You hear me? God is going to use us. Now, why am I telling you that? Because I need you to start believing that. Because you might say, like, he can't use me. Look where I'm at in life. No, God can use you. He can't use me to do that. I don't, I don't know enough. No, God wants to use you. You are believing the methods and the tactics of the enemy if you're believing that I'm not good enough. That's a lie. You are good enough because you're his daughter. You're his son. There's nothing you can do to separate you from the love of God. He holds you in his hands. And so I want to pray right now. Because I believe that every person that's hearing my voice right now, listen, every person that is hearing my voice has a purpose in this revival for the city. Has a purpose in God's plan for not Atlanta, but for the state of Georgia, for the United States of America, and for the world. He has a purpose for you to be alive.
You're saying, this is my first time at this church. Listen, you have a purpose. I don't care if you never come back. You have a purpose in the bigger picture. And so how many people would be like, you know what? One or two or all of those things that, that you mentioned. The enemy's tried to pull me off course with some of his schemes. How many of y'all would say that the enemy's tried to pull me off course with some of those tactics and schemes? I just want to pray for you today. The Bible says to repent, right? Turn from our sin. But also repent means change the way that you think. Right? So if you change the way that you think and you start to recognize, you know, the bait being thrown out there, you start to recognize the, the counterfeit, you start to recognize the bitterness in your life, you can actually do something about it. When you recognize something, you got to do something about it. I recognize, or somebody recognized that that $20 bill was counterfeit. I went back to the bank. When you recognize the counterfeit and the lies in your life, you got to go back to the bank. Where's the bank? The bank is the word. You got to go back to the bank. And I have an ATM card in my, in, in my pocket right here, right? This, this ATM card is worthless if there's no, nothing in the bank. But when there's something in the bank, I could go to the ATM machine, right? As long as I know the pin, and the pin is J-E-S-U-S for us. That's the pin. And you could insert, listen, you could insert the debit card into the ATM, and you could withdraw something from the bank. And some of us right now need to withdraw some peace. Some of us need to withdraw some truth. Some of us need to withdraw some anointing from on high to withstand the schemes and the methods of the evil one who is coming against you because he hates you and he only hates you because he hates your father. It's time to withdraw something from the bank that has unlimited resources. What is your need today? What is your need? I just feel led to pray for your needs. If we could all stand to our feet for a moment before we pray. I want us to just kind of open our hands like this, like to heaven. So I believe that the Lord is going to pour something out over you. He's going to pour his oil over you, which symbolizes the power of God, the power of his Holy Spirit. He's going to pour out his, his healing anointing over your life. He's going to pour out provision over your life. He's going to pour out open doors and favor and peace and love and joy. Some of y'all haven't been joyful in a very long time. I believe that you are going to withdraw some joy from the kingdom bank today. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for every person that is in this room 
I pray right now, God, that you open up the heavens, Lord Jesus, and that we start to sense you pouring out your grace and your mercy, Father, right here in this room, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we can experience you in new ways every single day. And we thank you, God, where we have overdrawn in life that you have an abundance of resources, Lord Jesus. And we could connect our heart to your heart, Lord. And you said you are a good Father in heaven. If we ask anything on earth, it shall be done by the Father in heaven. So this is what I want to do. For the next 30 seconds, I want you to make your request known. What are you going to punch into that ATM today? Come on, make your request known to your Father in heaven right now. Come on, open up your mouth. Start to talk to your daddy. Start to talk to your father. All over the room in the back. Open up your mouth and start to pray. Don't be ashamed. The world isn't ashamed to ask for things. Come against shame right now. I come against shame and embarrassment. I pray over those that are in prison in their mind in the name of Jesus, Lord. I thank you, God, that you still open up the gates of the prison walls. I pray against those fortresses, Father, of addiction. said that you've given us the keys to the kingdom. Whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So I bind up every addiction, whether it's physical, mental, or even spiritual. In the name of Jesus, we bind that up and we command it to be gone right now. Be healed, be whole in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, by your stripes we're healed and made whole. I pray for every infirmity in every person's body in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that their bodies, their bones, their blood, their mind, their soul comes into perfect alignment with heaven, Lord Jesus. Now, thank you, God, that you're still at work. I pray for peace to come upon every person's mind right now that is struggling with fear and anxiety. For those that are struggling with fear and anxiety, the Lord's just saying that you've believed the wrong thing. Hmm. I thank you, God, for rest, peace. Let's do this. Whatever, whatever it is that, that is our need, and it can be whatever it is, I want us to just say it out loud because I believe that the Lord is, is here. He is listening. We could all do it at one time. Let's just start to say it out loud all over the room. Just say it out loud. So I need peace. I need joy. I need healing. Come on. All over the room. Just keep saying it. Come on. Every single one of us, we all have things. Come on. Come on. Let it out. There's something powerful about a spoken word. Something powerful about a spoken word. Meet every person where they're at, Lord God. 
Fill us, Lord Jesus, today. Fill us with your power, God. Fill us with your anointing, Lord Jesus. Fill us with your truth. Fill us with your love and your grace and your mercy. Fill us, God, with your fire, Lord God. Humble us, Lord Jesus. Break us, Father, for what breaks your heart. Touch my eyes so I can see. Touch her ears and his ears so he can hear. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We all said amen. Let's get the Lord a hand clap of praise real quick. I'm going to have amen, Tammy amen. come on up. Yes. I miss him. I haven't had him all week. He just got back. We've both been um, traveling this week and doing a lot of stuff. So there's a couple things.